Stop waiting for your happy to happen. That's the message you'll hear today from the author of Project Life, Christine Grauer, here on episode number 129 of the Power of Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Hi, this is Judy Herman, the author of Beyond Messy Relationships, and I'm also a counselor and an advocate for authentic humanity, helping you create peace in your partnerships. I really want to wholeheartedly recommend Dr. Brad Miller. He helps you create a life of peace, prosperity, and purpose on the Power of Promise podcast. You're on the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes every person has a God-given, promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and that you must have a plan and a guide to get there. The Pathway to Promise podcast not only is your guide through the wilderness of depression and disappointment that stand between you and your promised life, but also brings you insights and direction from inspiring, successful thought leaders who have transformed their lives. Welcome to the Pathway to Promise. Now, here's Brad. Happy. I want to be happy. You want to be happy, don't you? Happiness is quite a goal to attain. But how we get there is a matter of how we approach it. We can wait for happiness to happen to us through happenstance and circumstance, or we can take some steps to find and secure happiness of our own accord. Hi, everybody. Brad Miller here from the Power Promise Podcast. Glad you have joined me today. Here on the podcast today, we have a great author with us, Christine Grauer, who's going to talk to us all about happiness and about some of the struggles and perils that she went through, some very, very difficult adversity that she faced in her life. And when she finally made the decision to stop waiting for happy to happen to her and took charge of her life, and took some empowerment in her life to overcome fear in her life. And the step through fear is when some great things happen. You're going to learn a lot from our conversation today. Here on the Power of Promise podcast, we're all about talking to you and getting great insights from people like Christine to help you overcome adversity in your life to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Over at our website, powerofpromise.com or drbradmiller.com. You can find lots of episodes of the podcast with stories of people who have overcome adversity to achieve success. You can do it too. We've got a free gift for you there. Help us to help you. Right now, you're going to love this conversation we have here today with a woman who overcome great adversity in her, her own life to achieve happiness in her life because she stopped waiting for the happy to happen. It's Christine Grauer from Project Life. Let's get into this conversation right now. Today we have a great author with us. Her name is Christine Grauer. She has a new book, which is coming up soon, called Project Life, the subheading, Stop Waiting for Your Happy to Happen. She has quite a story to tell. Christine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Brad. It's awesome to have you here, and you have a very uplifting, in many ways, title for your book, Project Life, uh, as in life is 
something to be cherished and something that is a good thing. Stop waiting for a happy to happen. And that's good. You've apparently got a fascinating, great life, but I got a feeling it took you, <laughs> took you uh, a little process to get to this point and that you got some things to offer us. Tell us your story a little bit, Christine. Where did you come from? What happened to you? And how did you come to this place to write this book? Okay. How long did you say this podcast was? Oh, we got some time. Let's just, <laughs> I, know, I know you've got quite an evolved story. So I know... Well, just tell us some of the challenges that you have faced in your yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we all encounter challenges. And the ones that I've encountered, they, they just were endless. It was just kind of one thing after another, after another, and pretty severe. Um, you know, losing my father from earlier, early on as a young child and being in a home where my stepfather was abusive toward my mother and my sister. I mean, to me as well, I wouldn't say it was extreme, but it was pretty extreme with my mom. And and, so, you, wit- and you witnessed a lot of that, I assume, right? I witnessed the anger. I didn't witness the actual hitting, only with my sister. Um, but I saw the signs of the abuse. I saw bullet holes in the dresser, my mom walking around the black eyes, broken glasses. Um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty powerful witness. If you ask me, bullet holes and yeah, black eyes. Exactly. Yeah. And so I developed a persona and I, I learned my, I had to create my safety and I created my safety by keeping my mouth shut <laughs> and avoiding anger and any confrontation at all costs. So I ran and hid, and I became known as Mousy. And say, I'm sorry, um, say again. Was, you became known as Mousy. Mousy. Yep. Okay. That was that was my name, and I was Mousy until as in as in timid and quiet, this type of thing. You mean? Yep. yep. Okay. All right. Yep. Till I was about forty-two. Oh my goodness! Okay. I was called Mousy. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So that was my strategy to survive in a violent home: was run and hide, and so it created my personality. And uh, I experienced more loss through that. And, you know, the separation, my mom escaping my stepfather and the abuse and um, then losing my sense of home because that was turned upside down. And then my stepfather got together with, you know, an alcoholic and crack addict. And my mom had to leave without telling us where she was or else my dad would have killed her. So all of that was going on. And then and this is in your growing up years you're talking about now? Is this it teenage, is teenager or so on? My, my mom left my dad when I was, um, so this is my stepfather, who I came to know as my dad. And when I was in my first year university. Okay. Well, what yeah. a colossal mess. My goodness. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, came home from for summer for my first year at university and there was no home as I knew it. It was my mom in some mysterious location and my dad, you know, the, the home had an alcoholic in it who, and you know, my dad was up partying all night. And so it was definitely different. Um, and, you know, I created strategies to survive and then life continued and I attracted my normal into my life. So, okay. right. So it's, it's abusive boyfriends. Sure, so, sure. My first boyfriend. common a common uh, yep. reaction to 
your situation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the normal, right? It's the comfort of the normal. Um, so yeah, my first boyfriend was, uh, physically and sexually abusive and I stayed with him for six years and it wasn't until I went away to university that I was able to, um, disassociate from him and realize that, okay, you know what, (laughs) there are other guys out there that don't hit. And, um, so yeah, that, that was, um, that aspect. Then, then the pendulum swung and I went with the extreme opposite and it was the very timid and the very soft spoken and the very gentle feminine ish type male right? The pendulum swung the complete opposite. And that didn't last for long, but I was so attached to my mind's wants. This is the guy for me. I'm going to marry him. (laughs) This is the one. Anyway, so we got married and six months after we got divorced, but we had a child together before then. Okay. Uh, so a son together. Were you married to the first guy or were just as no, well? No, that was just uh, that was just a boyfriend. Yeah. Okay. I got you. All right. So you married the, for lack of a better term, the timid fellow and you had yep. a child. Yep. Okay. But it wasn't enough of a normal for me, right? It All wasn't. Right. Uh, so yeah, that really did not last long, but had a beautiful son out of the uh, relationship. And we stayed amicable. Um, that there was... And later in the book, well, the story that I tell, he actually um, committed a crime and was criminally charged for a privacy crime. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) There's all kinds of fun stuff going on with you. My goodness. Yeah. And then there's, there's a story I share as well about how attached I was to, so attachments and our ideas of what we want in life really, really. Oh, limits us and creates more problems. So I also tell the story of how I... Well, those attachments help to form us and then we have to either, well, we either stay with it or we break those attachments and, and yeah. find some different patterns here. And Yes, yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a minute, but I'll go ahead and finish your story, please. Yeah, so um, then my, uh, my father, my stepfather, he had uh, a couple of children with... The, um, the woman who was addicted to crack. And um, so I had a couple of stepbrothers and we used to was she out. Were they in your household as well? So no. So I had, I, after that summer, when I went back and my house was turned upside, my home was turned upside down. I returned back to school uh, after that summer. So I ended up staying at my sister's friend's house for the summer. And I never went back. I, okay. I just declared that that was yeah. no longer my home. And I was, creating my home wherever I was. So, yeah. And so then uh, on my son's first birthday, my dad passed away. Um, So there was that life event that happened. And then, um, then I, with all that comes with it, all the dredged up feelings and guilt or whatever was with that, but that all was there too, wasn't it? Yep. Oh, absolutely. And then, uh, but yeah, then I returned to my normal and I got together with an old friend who was, uh, you know, back to abuse. Um, So I had known him for a number of years and he reached out and sure, you know, we had a connection and we got together and very 
uninvolved man who gambled, who smoked drugs, who didn't help around the house at all. I had a, my son at that time and, but, you know, got together with him and I was going to break up, but then I found out I was pregnant. So, all right, let's make this work, right? Mm. Yeah, the pressure's <laughs> yep. on again, isn't it? Yep, here we go. So, yeah, about two years into that relationship, we had a daughter together and, you know, it was, and all this time, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to make me happy now. I'm going to have the perfect family and I have two kids and I lived in my first house because I had lived in apartments life and this is, this is exact, this is it, right? This is my happy. It's finally going to come. It's finally going You're to be. searching happy. for your happy and you thought you'd found it. Yep. It continually, but it never ended up. I mean, there was glimpses of it, right? And um, so anyway, I wanted to break up with him when I found out he was a daily um, user of drugs. And I didn't. I was too afraid. And so I stayed in the relationship. So it wasn't physically abusive, but definitely verbally, emotionally, mentally, and sexually. Just a side thing, just for just a second. Did you have any kind of other support in your life, I talk about uh, family, friends, or uh, even a job or source of income, these type of things. Mm-hmm. I had a full-time job for sure. Okay. Um, and he didn't work, so I was the income earner. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I mean, my family, my mom and my sister were were there, but I never, I never reached out. I never, mm-hmm. you know, told them what was happening. I, I did at one point, I sat with my mom and I told her what happened, what was happening. It was when, you know, it was two years into the relationship and she would have supported me whatever I chose. Right. So I chose to stay in the relationship out of fear of the unknown. And uh, so eight years later, um, you know, after just, and, and so he abused my son as well, mm, like physically. Um, so, and I, I let it happen. I let it all happen and out of fear, right? Because I had learned my entire life to avoid any confrontation. So it was just my normal, right? To just sit back and and be too afraid to stand up for myself and my son. So finally, after 10 years of that relationship, my appendix ruptured and, um, I didn't actually, it ruptured and stuck to my intestine. So I was very ill for two weeks. And finally, I went in and uh, they were like, oh, you need to go in for emergency surgery like now. I was like, okay. Oh, you didn't go in. You didn't go in right away. You got ill and you tried to tough it out for a while. Yep. 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 And and because it wasn't the classic appendix rupture, it, it stuck to my intestine and just slowly poisoned me, just like my relationship had. <laughs> a, metaf- a metaphor for your life at the time, huh? My that's goodness. right. So that's really, you know, in the hospital where I was recovering from this intense surgery where they had to clean up a big mess in there and... um that I had my, you know, the quote unquote, the dark night of the soul, where it was just like this, my life is rotten. Like it is just awful. I had my mom, sweetheart, angel by my side, holding my hand while I suffered a lot. 
I was in there for a week solid, just with a really rough recovery, not eating and any of that. And when I got out of the hospital, you know, I, I looked at my life blankly in the eyes and said, you know what, this is, this is abuse and it's not okay. And I made the decision to step through fear and end the relationship. So that was kind of the turning point. And, and after that point in time, I started saying yes to these things that kept coming into my path. And spiritual life coaching came was one of those things. And um, now at the same time, my son, who, you know, is 14-ish, he, uh, he developed some severe mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as I am doing my spiritual life coaching program, my certification program, and going through and being my own first client, I have my relationship with my son to practice what I've learned. And I have a life coach supporting me at that point. And so it got really, really rough at home with my son, who is six foot two, and really began having delusions and paranoia and acting out with aggression. And I had a minor daughter in the home, right? I was primary caregiver of both of these children. And so, you know, I I called the police a couple of times. Okay, you're having confrontations with your son or your son or your daughter? Yep, with my son. Okay. You know, family and children's services got involved because there's a minor in the home and there's violence and aggression. And all the meantime, I'm going through court and being a part-time lawyer um, with my daughter's father, who was very vindictive and vengeful. So, yeah, dealing with my son, working full-time, taking a coaching program. I also bought a rental property at that time. And all of this was going on, and it was my connection with. You had all this stuff going on. You had marital relationship issues. You had physical health issues. You had parenting issues. You had daughter issues, original family issues. And I'm assuming you had, since you're under spiritual coaching, you were having some spiritual questioning in your life. And I wouldn't be too surprised if there were some financial pressures as well. And you just kind of had the whole whole ball of wax, didn't you? (laughs) There was a lot. (laughs) Now, now I have always had it. I had been, I started studying spirituality, um, well, about 20, over 20 years now. So I always had a deep knowing that there was something more going on here and a deep connection. And I always had this yearning and this searching. So I always had that little fire burning inside of me that I kept doing my, it was a lot of reading and gathering of information. And along, so later on, uh, after I had split from my last abusive ex, um, I had met who I call my spiritual mentor. And, and so I had a life coach as well at the time and my spiritual mentor. So that uh, really helped me in the final kind of push through the challenge of um, my relationship with my son. So, yeah. So this, yeah, this kind of leads me into some of the things that 
you had all these challenges, all these difficulties with your son and everything, and, and yet you were starting to seek out some guidance and some direction in your life beyond the present circumstances that you are in. And mm-hmm. if you could, Christine, I'd like you to speak to how you started to really turn things around. What were some of the actions that you took? What were some of the things that you feel like you did to, you were in this colossal, chaotic, <laughs> mess, 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 but you chose not to stay there. What did you yeah. do? I became an observer of my emotions. So when, and again, my, my, my greatest teacher was my son and also to view him as my teacher rather than my adversary. And when he would act out with aggression, I would monitor my emotional state. And I could only do that by doing my work, my inner work in times when I didn't need to use it, which the primary thing is deep breathing, deep, mindful breathing. And so I practiced this daily. It was part of my training. And when situations arose that made my, the fight or flight response, right? They're like that, you know, that right away, the emotions flare. I would observe and I would remove myself from the situation and do my breathing. And through that, I would then return to the situation in a calmer state and I'd be able to address the problem rather than, you know, kind of two immature <laughs> children fighting, fighting it out because yeah. in that state of reactivity, there's, there's no logic or reasoning. It's, it's all emotions. It's all very driven by the reptilian brain. Sure. That's. And nobody's breathing, yeah. are they? If they're breathing, it's no. hot and heavy, ugly, yeah. stu- ugly stuff. So, yeah. So, yeah, mindful awareness of my inner state. And when I let, and when I just go through life and, you know, anything that came up, I would address the problem that's inside of me rather than the problems outside of me. Because when I address the problem inside, the problems outside go along, they go away almost and they they kind of dissolve. So the... So, yeah, so the part of what I'm hearing you here say, Christine, is you had to really become hyper acutely aware of your state. And this was a, just a really a, an action that you took that really broke a pattern for you. Yes. And then that the most evidence of that was your relationship with your son and that the, but the place you went uh, beyond that is you drew, you drew on a uh, power beyond yourself a spiritual uh, nature power. And I'd like you to speak for that a little bit. Tell me about what kind of spiritual practices that you did or drew upon. You mentioned breathing, Mm -hmm. but uh, I got a feeling there's a little more to it than that. You mentioned a spiritual mentor. Tell me about what you did in the drawing on a higher power realm. Yeah. So it's belief in something greater than the small me, right? It's a belief in a creator, whatever label we want to call it. Um, and trusting that that source is my the same source. I can tap into that. I can access that. And it is pure love. It is power. And it is comfort. And it is safety. And it is everything good. And so when I deep breathe, 
and calm the mind that is um, very reactive and bouncing around from here to there. Connecting to just a place of stillness and quietness and trusting and having faith that that power is there for me to use and call upon. And it's a source of unconditional love. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, that unconditional love at source is just a such an important emotional aspect. And that's what I want to reflect with you about now is about the emotions of what you go through, about the whether it's people emotions with your son or other folks or the emotional state that you're in. Tell me about how your emotional state had to change and what impact loving relationships for instance, you loved your son, even though you went to battle with him. But tell me about the emotional states that you were going through that were reflected in this process of transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, emotions, right? They, they can just rule our lives unless we can get, get a handle on them. And absolutely, you know, before I was able to really get a handle on what was going on inside of my body. I, I, I rode that roller coaster, you know, it's the, okay, things are going great. And (laughs) this is terrible. Oh my gosh. Um, So yeah, the full gamut, the full spectrum of just, you know, what was me and what the hell am I doing? And like from despair to, you know, worry and, and, fear and doubt and all of those but underneath it all so all emotions are just energy in our body vibrating in a certain frequency and so emotions are act so emotions are a physical like a a conceptual word that we attach to a physical feeling in the body Mm -hmm. so our body will be in a certain state and when it feels light and airy we call it happy or joy or love so love has a certain feeling in the body and so all of these lovely feelings are they feel good right they're they're light and these heavier and we call them certain things and then we have heavier emotions sadness grief despair these are heavy they and so we can localize it in our body and feel where this feeling is and when we just work with the feeling inside of the body we can dissolve it we can resolve it and we can get the energy moving and really it's it's connecting and it's kind of tapping into that that source to help move this heavier state through us because it doesn't feel good at all, right? No one mm-hmm. wants to feel sad. And that's, that's a key well, aspect. We, you know, we, we seek that, uh, the joy and that exhilaration of, let's like, say, in a uh, relationship with a mate, you, you seek and you uh, are excited about the romantic aspects of love, you know, the sparks and the glory mm. and the wonder. And yet there's the abiding aspects of love, which is the everyday decisions to remain in a relationship and so on and so forth. And they're both are emotions, but you have to learn how to um, put them in a proper perspective. And, mm. and I, I like to, I like to term terms, the, this 
loving emotions is the fuel that helps us transform. We can't transform without it. It has to be mm-hmm. a part of the process of fueling us properly uh, through, mm-hmm. the, through the process. And you did that. And part of what you do, you're doing now, Christine, is you're, you're taking this, um, this motion of love. You, your subheading of your book is, or your, this motion of happiness. And, uh, you kind of turn it on its ear a little bit. You know, a lot of folks are seeking happiness and you're, you're saying stop waiting for happiness to happen. Mm-hmm. Stop waiting for your happy to happen. Uh, apparently you did that. What do you mean by that? Stop waiting for your happy. Mm-hmm. I think you've been saying about yeah. it a, a little, quite a bit, but go a little deeper on that. What are you trying yeah. to say in your book about this? Yeah. And one thing I want to touch on with the emotions and I, you, you, you mentioned it was emotions are a part of our experience of life. And although we seek to be happy and loved and all of this stuff, we don't discount or avoid all these other emotions that don't feel good. It's so important to allow them, to let them be and not judge them as bad. They're just feelings. It's, they're actually our guide in life, our feelings. Our feelings never lie. Our mind will lie, but our feelings do not. And so when we're feeling sad, it's so important to, to validate and acknowledge and accept I'm feeling sad and let it be okay. Just let it be what it is without judging it as bad. Be sad. When, when my friends are sad, I say, great. Yeah. <laughs> and they laugh, but well, of course, great what to you, feel part, sad. What you're getting at, a lot of people want to uh, do feel, they put a value on their, uh, their emotions yeah. in terms of if they do feel sad, you know, well, what are you going to do to make it happy? And some people, yeah. find, some people try to find it an artificial means through yep. whatever, alcohol or a bad relationship or whatever it would be, or driving a fast car or whatever it would be. But it's yes. just not, in the end, that's not fulfilling or satisfying. And I think what most people are looking for is fulfillment, peace of mind, peace yes. and happiness and prosperity and purpose. And you're helpful. I take it you're helpful to, to people now to help find at least a process to do this. Mm-hmm. You've worked through the, some of the tough stuff. You've gone through the tough emotions. You've gone through the, um, the hard work. Mm-hmm. How is your hard work now helpful to other people? What are the, what are yeah. you teaching others? Yeah. And so that's, that's where the subtitle comes in and stop waiting for your happy to happen because throughout my whole life, you know, it was, I was chasing, chasing happiness. And for a moment I would think I found it and be like, yeah, this is it. It's like, uh, nope, that's not it. And happiness is a state that we create and we can choose to create that state at any moment. The key is to remove the blocks that are preventing it from happening. And it's all the mind. It's all the mind. Yeah. So you're saying we do have some control over this. We do have some input on this. It not Life doesn't just have to just happen to us and we have to put up with it. We can have a say in how we live our lives. Yes. And there are some things in life that suck, Right. And it's not like, you know, we have this and all of a sudden all these wonderful things are going to happen in life. But it's mm-hmm. well, we live during a coronavirus situation right now, which sucks for the whole world, yeah. basically. And it's a circumstance <laughs> that we all have to live under. 
but how we live, how we react to it is what makes the difference. Yes, the perception. It's how we perceive these events and it's choosing to look at something as happening for you. This is happening for me right now. For some reason, and I, I believe that all of life is happening for our growth. We are here to evolve into the greatest aspects of ourselves that we are capable of becoming in this lifetime. And so all of life is happening for us to evolve and grow into our greatness. So without the abuse in my life, I would not be where I am today. I would not have stepped into my power and found my purpose and my passion unless I endured those challenges. Without them, my life would have sucked. So I look back and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for everything that happened. And so if we can look back and say, oh, you know what? That was actually good, right? Shoot, divorcing my abusive husband was actually good. But at the time, we get so involved in the story and the emotions that we look at it and we judge it as bad. So I say, look at it as good in the moment, despite what the mind will tell us. The mind will judge it as bad. But trust that this is happening 100% for you and there is a gift of growth. And this, and this gift of growth is part of what you're helping people with, which led you to write this book. And so why did you write this book with Project Life and who is it for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote the book. There's just, you know, it's, it's an inner burning. It was, I couldn't not write the book. Um, it was a passion and a drive and a, a calling that was beyond the small me. And I wrote it for, I mean, I dedicate it to women, women who have gone through trauma and abuse. Really, it's an, I mean, I had a a male, um, an author read it and he was like, oh my gosh, this, this is not just for women. (laughs) But so I dedicate it to women because, you know, just kind of historically we've been in, in roles of suppression, right. And um, being at the, at the hand of stronger men and, you know, feeling powerless and it's time to rise and we are strong and we have unlimited power just like any other human, (laughs) any other male. So, yeah, it's... So it's written written for women who have been disempowered, I believe, as I'm hearing you say, to help empower them. But it can apply to men and anyone else who has felt life is happening to them rather than having, uh, enjoying life and to uh, having some... uh, some peacefulness in their, in their life, peace of mind. Yeah, you got and, it. And you offer in your book here a methodology. You call it the life method. And I'd just like for you to take a moment to unpack that because I think that's the core mm-hmm. of what your, uh, your book is about. And maybe that could speak to our audience here, folks who are looking to overcome adversity to achieve their, their promised life. Yeah, yeah. So I, I break it down. I break the book down into two parts. So I first tell my story so people can understand where I came from and what I endured. 
and the adversity that I overcame. And then the second part is the life method. And so we are all here in this project of life. No one is exempt. <laughs> so that's kind of how I came up with this, this title. And so I used LIFE as an acronym to stand for listen, investigate, forgive, and evolve. So those are the steps that I teach in part two. So listen is really addresses the emotions. And it's coming back into our feelings and focusing on our inner state and make that be the starting point when we encounter adversity in life, right? We cannot control the things outside of us, only what's inside and how we respond to situations. So with that, I introduce the deep breathing method. And so that's, that's kind of the core of, of the, the, this, the listen step. It's all about the, the emotions, the feelings, and beginning to implement a deep breathing practice. And so the all in life is to listen, and this is where deep breathing and some of these other emotional aspects come into play. And the I is for what? Investigate. And investigate is getting curious about, and this is what I mentioned, that life is happening for us. And what about this situation could I possibly gain by this happening? And, you know, let's pretend. What if I actually asked for the situation to happen? What if I asked for this? Why would I have wanted this to happen in my life? So it's getting curious and it's really is in investigating, explore. And then I build on the breathing practice to touch on more of the spiritual aspect and connecting with um, light and love and bringing that into the breathing and the meditation. Um, a lot of that as well is the subconscious beliefs, right? So these are the things that run our lives. It's, you know, me creating my normal was all subconscious programming. Uh, this goes a little bit to the emotions we were talking about earlier, not being so much an emotional reactor, but to be an actor in, in your own play of life, so to speak. Yep, yep. And to do that, we need to override the subconscious mind. Okay, very good. We do that through the breathing. So yeah. we've got li so we've got listen, mm -hmm. emotional peace, investigate, which is go a little deeper and take control or uh, be an actor in our own life. Yeah. And then the F. Forgive. And it's looking so F actually stands for forgive and have fun. Um, and forgiveness, it's it's ensuring that people truly understand that forgiveness is something we do for ourselves. That by forgiving somebody, we are not letting them off the hook. We're not letting them know it was okay. We're not saying it was okay. We're doing it merely to sever the connection, the, the energetic connection that remains when you hold a grudge and you hold resentment and I'm never going to forgive them for this. It only causes illness inside of ourselves when we do that. So it's really helping to have the reader see that. And then I work through a forgiveness exercise, which I normally do live with my students, but I put an abbreviated version in the book that I hope, I, I expect will help. I've also done an audio version that I've released um, to people. So I walk through some basic steps on how to 
truly forgive. I mean, we can say, yeah, yeah, I've forgiven them. Yeah. Mm. This is the uh, relationship aspect of your of your uh, process here, because mm-hmm. it does involve other people. Uh, yeah, absolutely. As well, and so so we've got the listen, and we've got the investigate, and we've got the forgiveness with the fun, and then there's the E. Mm-hmm. which kind of ties it all together. So E is evolve, and we all are evolving. It's just we can't not evolve, but consciously evolving. So by choice, choosing the things that will help us in life. So what we choose to eat, what we choose to do with our body, how we move, um, where we hang out in life you know are we getting in nature enough um it touches on again the importance of the breathing um so it's it's some final steps actionable steps that people can take to take their practice to the next level simple things Mm -hmm. simple things so these are some of the disciplines that you need these are some of the practices that that you need and the breathing being one of them and and uh the integrating it process so you can be kept ongoing, uh, continue yes. to live a, a good life. And uh, as you yeah. say, not wait for happy to happen, be happy, just choose, choose to be happy. And so, well, Christine, I'd like for you to speak to one thing as we kind of bring us around here to full circle. You know, we started off our conversation by you sharing your story about how you just had, you're just really a myriad of problems, a myriad of just a mess of life in many ways. And did you choose to get out of it? And you had to uh, do a lot of uh, self-work, but work with others as well. But I'd like for you to speak for a moment to the younger woman who might be listening to our, uh, our voices here today, who might be going through her own challenges in life, her own obstacles. It may be a broken marriage. It may be something to do with this coronavirus, maybe losing a Mm. job or some, being, you know, I just heard a thing in the news today about a phenomenon of people who are stuck at home with abusive people mm-hmm. now and how that's mm-hmm. a new phenomenon. But I just like to speak into the life of that uh, young woman, maybe who is just trying to struggle through. What are some directions, maybe a first step you might be able to give that person? Yeah. Well, the first thing is to acknowledge and allow your feelings and just let them be okay. That's, that's huge. If you can just let how you're feeling be okay, that's the first thing. And the second thing is start deep breathing. Breathe into the belly and start deep breathing. And whatever it is that you can see yourself doing, what you hope to achieve, whether it's getting out of an abusive relationship or it's finding a job, Take baby steps. It's just just a baby step. And set a goal for yourself, a small goal that you can achieve tomorrow. What is it going to be? Am I going to get up five minutes early and do deep breathing? Am I going to get up and go for a walk first thing in the morning? Or maybe it's get up and get dressed, right? Instead of staying in pajamas all day, you know what? I'm going to put on clothes tomorrow some small, very achievable task. Set it for yourself and do it. And the mind will come up with all sorts of excuses to not do it. And just know that 
it takes work and it's like a battle it's it's like a battle of the mind that goes on <laughs> it's yeah it's a daily and, thing it's a daily thing yeah. it's not a you don't arrive at this you don't arrive no. at happiness and the root word of uh of happiness is happenstance, which it's, uh, that means it's just an occurrence, you know, so it's an occurrence that we uh, need to be mindful of comes, can come and go. We need contentment, which is the sustained sense of happiness and fulfillment that we have. And, and I think your book here is going to be helpful to us, uh, to readers, both women and men to do that. I, I love your, uh, your purpose statement that you have on your website at christinebrower.com. Your purpose is to be an inspiring agent of deliberate change to contribute to a love, to a world where love and peace prevail, mm-hmm. where people act consistently with love and compassion, regardless of conditions. So you're speaking into that with your book here, and, yeah. and uh, that, that's awesome. So we thank you for being with us today. Is How can people be in contact with you, Christine, if they want to learn more about what you're about, some of the things you offer, your life coaching, things of this nature? How can people be in contact with you? Yeah, my uh, I'm on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's christineg.ca is my handle. And on yeah, on the web, it's christinegrower.com or theprojectlifebook.com. Happiness, happiness, happiness. Christine Grower gives us some great insight on the process that she used to turn her life around from waiting for happiness to happen to embracing and being empowered in a step through fear. And to now, she is now an inspired, deliberate agent of change to help people like you to, re- to receive a, a process to uh, embrace happiness in your own life. Hope that you heard the steps that she talked about in her life method. If you need to go back and listen to the podcast again, do so, or pick up her book, L-I-F-E. The L for life is to listen well. The I in the word life is to investigate, to be the conscious, the conscious creator of your own life. The F in the word life is to forgive, as in to forgive others. And then the E in the uh, word life is to evolve, to grow, grow, grow. Here at the Pathway to Promise, here at the Power Promise podcast, we're here to help you grow through adversity to achieve your own promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. My role as your transformation teacher and guide is to help you do that. We have a great backlog of podcasts to help you do so, great authors and other leaders and other teaching to help you overcome adversity to achieve your promised life. Go over to drbradmiller.com. we got some good things for you there, including a free gift. It's our intention to be helpful to you to make the most out of your life, to overcome the messes of your life, with a new clarity of your mindset. We're here to be helpful. We look forward to talking to you again here on the Power of Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Until next time then, friends, remember to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept. Thanks so much for taking the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. As a subscriber, you'll be a vital part of the Pathway to Promise community. Visit us on the web at pathwaypromise.com. Until next time, remember to stay on your Pathway to Promise.